Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Welcome to Podcast Monday. I'm officially back in my office. The last bunch of podcasts have been in my house. I'm sure you've noticed, perhaps, the extra noise that happens there couldn't be more quiet. So I am really thrilled to be back here with a nice microphone, just hanging out, me and Henna, of course. Today is going to be, I'm sure, very controversial in all the ways. But hey, gotta speak your truth. I do want to talk mostly, or at least I'm going to focus on the NARM, the North American Registry of Midwives, and the CPM credential. I have some exciting news for myself along those lines and thought I'd just give a little primer as to what that's even about because I know there are people that don't know, even though I always assume people do know this or that. Sometimes they don't. So we're going to do that in the second half of this podcast. But first, I feel like I do want to just blab and address this abortion discussion, this Roe v. Wade decision that came out last week. And you might think that's so odd for me, and it is in a way. I rarely directly address the mainstream narrative, the political, all of that, just really is not something I usually want to talk about on a podcast. And just before recording this, making some notes and thinking, do I do I really want to do this? Do I really want to go there? Because I think the inevitable reason to not is because it just creates more conflict, it creates more division. And then also, there's the other side of that, which is sometimes Just saying what we think, what we feel can bring people together. And I guess at the end of the day, you don't really get to choose if people want to come together or if they want to feel divided. So I'm just going to go ahead and share my thoughts and feelings on this whole thing just briefly. I don't think I've ever talked about abortion anywhere. It feels really personal and dark and really, really deep in a lot of ways to have this concept be part of women's history. And yet life and death are part of what women do. And as a midwife, of course, I'll share maybe a little bit about how I've been or not been involved in this discussion But I suppose it's time because the world is really cracking up. And I don't say that actually in direct relationship to this. I don't think that 
court decision is making me think that. Um, I think what's making me feel that way is just the world at large looking at these really mainstream catastrophes happening and taking them seriously, like really being like, oh, my God, that's the world breaking apart. And no, to me, the world breaking apart is the people looking at the world that they think is breaking apart. Because if we're going to ever usher in something new, then shit like this has to blow up. It has to for people to see the truth of who they are and where we're at. This discussion also has so many parts, and this isn't going to be the full thorough version. Maybe there never will be one from me, but this is just some bits and pieces, things that I've felt over the last few days, conversations I've seen and had. And yeah, it's huge, right? There's the physical part of this discussion. Um, Then there's the metaphysical and there's the spiritual parts of this discussion. And, you know, I guess if you're willing to have all them, then that's even better. Again, the mainstream narrative wants to really limit the discussion to just the physical. And that's really sad, no matter what the issue is, of course. So full disclaimer, because I think it is important to hear people's own experiences. Um, I have never had an abortion. That's the truth. That's the truth. And yes, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that perhaps I was never put in a position where I really had to consider that or where I felt like that would be best. As a midwife, I have been asked many times to help someone in this position. And I have never turned away a woman with judgment. But yet I have a limit on my own boundaries around actively physically supporting an abortion. For me, that has never felt right. It doesn't mean I won't give names for other resources. It doesn't mean I won't point someone in a direction that might be helpful. It actually doesn't mean I won't be an ear for them as they're trying to process. But in those cases, I feel like I've been as honest as I could with those women that I don't morally believe this is the best choice for most women. And I've seen that. And I've, of course, you know, not worked in clinics or anything like that. But I've seen with the women that I've served, which of course is its own demographic, um, that this actually is a really, really hard choice, you know, and it's not a choice that I know any of these women really deeply wanted to make. Even though they may have then chosen to do that for reasons that I can't comprehend, that I can't understand, that aren't mine to understand. So I have provided emotional support with that disclaimer that it's not something I really can understand, but I try my best to not hold judgment and just kind of receive, you know, whatever needs to be received by that woman but not being actively physically involved. I have made a very deliberate point in my practice as a midwife to not to not provide what might be required um, or, you know, again, being present or providing any kind of like actual, actual tool, actual help to that woman. I just can't. 
And when I first realized that I felt guilty, I think it's definitely other people's paths to support this and all kinds of different women's work. But it's never been mine. And I I can appreciate that we live in a world where, you know, we think powerful women can do whatever they want. But I know for me, because personally, that was never a choice. I don't think it ever would be a choice for me. Although I think there's some other levels and layers as usual to talk through. Um, I just have my boundaries. So I wouldn't say they're religious, but they are moral. And yes, I believe in choice, but I also believe in the sanctity of life. And a million other things that I think are really positive and helpful and can counter the need for such a discussion in a perfect world anyway. And yeah, last but not least, I think karma is something that I believe in and I don't want to be involved directly. So there you have it. Not apologizing. Don't feel guilty. Those are my boundaries. And I stand by them. So when we get into this discussion, even a little bit, um, I think it's definitely going to offend people. And that's okay. You don't have to agree with me. And maybe you don't even want to listen through. But I think there is common ground, even when people think they don't agree about something that feels this big. My daughter Amelia may be quoted here and there, not because she's experienced on this topic, but because she's a young woman in the world and obviously seeing discussions and all of the things on social media. And I thought it was really interesting to include some of her little anecdotes about it, just things she was texting me, I guess, as she was maybe scrolling social media or having discussions. Because I think it represents a certain element of the younger generation. One of the things she texted me yesterday just about it was that she felt it was another game of control. And those were her words. And I thought, wow, that's really spot on for a 19 year old to kind of see beyond the bullshit and the, you know, the name calling and the black and white and just see it for what it is. It's just another way of controlling people. A really important part of this discussion to me is that when we villainize and then feel bad for whatever group, right, whatever group is being villainized, we are buying into victim consciousness loud and clear. And that's, again, really not a popular thing to say. It's really provocative. Because we've been taught, we've been mind controlled to always think there's an underdog, there's always someone that we should feel sorry for. And we've confused words like compassion and sympathy. And all of this is rolled up into, well, then you're just a jerk that doesn't care about this, whatever group, whatever group is being targeted. And even that word, targeted. Um, so, you know, this is no different. 
So it's women, once again, that are in the victim role, should they choose to accept. And I think that's just a huge part of this. Should we choose to accept? Are we victims? Are we victims to a system? Or are we strong, autonomous women who can smell bullshit a mile away? And I want to be the latter, of course. How much longer do women want to be a victim to the system? How much longer do women want to ask for permission to do anything at all? Those days are gone. They're gone. We don't need permission. We haven't needed permission all along. And that's the victimhood coming in there where we've been trained to ask. Oh, please, Dr. Sir, give me this thing. Oh, please, Dr. Sir, I want this. I want a V-back. You know, it reminded me, and there's so many, you know, similar metaphorical stories um, or, you know, just similar stories to this whole issue. But it reminded me of years ago when I was a student midwife and I lived in Flagstaff, Arizona, and the community there was getting all riled up that there was a VBAC ban at the hospital or was going to be. I actually can't remember which one it was. Either there was or there was going to be. So women that were planning cesareans wouldn't be allowed to be there. And I remember a really good friend of mine at the time getting all riled up and, oh, we need a rally and we need signs and we need to write letters. And and even back then, you know, that long ago in my life, before I had uncovered a lot of my own truths, I knew deeply that that was wrong for me. I knew deeply that was wrong for me to go and beg like a dog, go beg for permission to do what I want to do with my body. So again, I think this is a complex discussion. It's not either or. It's not, you know, only um, my body, my choice. It's yes, but then who are you looking to to tell you what your choices are? It's just not that simple. If you're still looking at someone to tell you what your choices are, then you're not autonomous. I just don't understand how these things are all rolled up in the same thing. So back then with the VBAC issue, I remember thinking, this is just wrong. This is stupid. And I didn't help. And I didn't want to be any part of it. You know, I would rather use my time to educate women and to try to prevent cesareans in the first place or to find them a midwife, right? Like there's a million other solutions that make women feel powerful. And the one that they're begging for puts them right back in the victim seat. So I think this is no different. Are we going to keep asking? Are we going to even take them seriously? I mean, it's a funny thing to have this, you know, giant establishment of pharmaceuticals and and medicalized everything and not believe in it and not want it, a lot of us. Um, But then also at moments like this to be like, hey, you're taking something from us. You can't take what isn't given. So it's really, really just a crazy thing. 
<sighs> so there's been some mini discussions on our social. They've all been really respectful and really informative and beautiful, I think, even if everybody doesn't think the same thing. But Margot said something I kind of wanted to quote here, and I'm not going to quote her directly, but something like, how is this a right? Like, it's not a right to make someone help you with this or anything. You know, it's not your right to have a doctor that attends breech births at your hospital. That's not your right. And you can't force that doctor to do that if they don't want to do it for whatever reason. So the fact that this has been fed to us, mainstream media as a right is being taken is again, victim consciousness. And you can either buy into it and feel like you really got fucked. Or again, you can reverse it and say, it wasn't a right. It was it wasn't something you could ever take away. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, of course, I don't think government has us in our best interest ever. And so why would we ever look to them with hope for taking care of us in whatever way? And that is something that really is flabbergasting me about this discussion as I've seen it. I mean, to be honest, I haven't spent a ton of time. I'm not that interested. But other birth workers, other birth people, it's like, you don't want the system for birth. You know that they'll fuck up birth and they have and they've, you know, women have suffered abuse. And like, there's a lot of um, being victim to that system in birth. So why? Like, why are we looking to a system to take care of us when they have a really good track record of showing us that they don't care? They don't care about women. And I think I don't even know the half of it of the underbelly of this whole abortion issue, meaning that the operations involved, the money, the disgustingness that we don't even know about. Um, I believe it's there. And that's the dark side that I was referring to, you know, not life and death. Um, that's just being a human in in all of the ways. But this dark side of this industry, really, that have exploited women and made it so that they feel like victims and, you know, they don't have what they need and trauma and abuse and lack of education, like it's all rolled up together. So we can't just extract this one part and go crazy. It all goes together. It's all unfortunate, really. Um, although we don't have to see it that way either. Maybe it's fortunate. Maybe tides are turning. Maybe all of those years, all of these decades that all of this stuff has been going on is finally being brought into the light. <sighs> so feeling disrespected, it's a choice. But the vocabulary and the phrases around it, again, are really revealing, I think, to where most people are at. And again, I don't think it's a super fruitful discussion if someone is feeling that differently about it. I don't think I'm going to convince anyone. I don't want to. But things like, you know, they won't let us. We're not allowed. Even reproductive rights. Like, who's giving you a right <laughs> to your reproduction? Um, you are your reproduction. You are your body, for better or for worse. And I know that can sound insensitive. We all have different experiences on this plane. And I believe they all have meaning. So it doesn't mean everyone's going to have a super beautiful journey in this body in whatever ways. Um, and that's their story. So it's not a disrespect for a really hard story, a really hard experience. But where are these rights coming from that are outside of ourselves? 
We can't feel disrespected without disrespecting ourselves. So let's respect ourselves and not have our rights to our reproduction outside of ourselves. Then we don't need to ask. There's nobody to ask. But taking responsibility is the theme of this podcast of Indie Birth, of so much of the work we do, and that is not super popular. Taking responsibility means you can't blame anyone for anything, that it is all perfect in the way it was designed, and that we are responsible for our feelings, our bodies, our actions, our life. Not very popular. So I don't expect the masses to come wanting to interview me or anything like that. But I did want to share because I think it is important to stand up for freedom, for true freedom, not freedom that someone else grants you, not freedom because a bill was passed, but freedom because it is a state of being within you. And that is what I care about. And that is what I want to teach my children. And the rest, it's all just a crapshoot. We get what we get in this life. And the best we can do is own it. One last aspect or maybe there's a couple more, but sort of large umbrella last aspect. How is this any different from wanting someone to come save us in birth? Again, there's so many parallels between birth and wanting, perhaps, right, an autonomous birth. You don't want someone telling you what to do. You don't want their rules. How is this any different? Is the doctor going to save you? Is the midwife going to save you? Um, Or can you really own that birth experience no matter what, no matter what it means? Because sometimes it means death. Most of the times it means life, but sometimes it doesn't mean death or sorry, sometimes it doesn't mean life. So how is this any different? Someone coming to save you is allowing your responsibility to go out the window. And it's the same thing. To be really blunt, I just don't understand how women think that it's their right to ask for permission to end a life. That's not really a right. That's a choice. And again, I'm not, I mean, I hate the labels. I hate really the, I I don't like it. Pro-life? No, of course I'm (laughs) pro-life. I love life. Everything is life. Life is vitality. Um, I'm also fully respectful of someone's autonomy. So I I don't fit into either group. You're not going to pigeonhole me into the black or white. Um, I'm neither. I'm neither and I'm both. But asking for permission to help end a life is odd. You know, if that's what you decide to do, that's what you're going to do. And on every level of your being, and again, I've worked with women in this space, I know to a certain degree how hard it is and how it can haunt them for absolutely years, if not a lifetime. And that's on them. And it's not a judgment and it's not a criticism. It's just that's their responsibility. It's not anyone else's. And it becomes really real when you don't have to contract that out. You don't. So, you know, choice is why we're here. We're all making choices every day. But those are not um, rights. Oh, man, another thing my daughter said that I thought was really insightful. But of course, don't hate on her if you don't like it. She's only a 19 year old, beautiful girl just doing her best in the world. Uh, She texted me and she said, I don't get it. Like, my body, my choice went out the window when they required the jab or kicked people out of their houses. 
And I thought, man, you know, she's right. She's right. So all the people crying that my body, my choice or bodily autonomy. No, there's no bodily autonomy given to anyone in this country or in this world. We either have that inside ourselves and we claim it or we don't. Uh, And what she's referring to is about seven months ago, she got kicked out of a house she was renting for not having the jab. And, you know, of course, that's completely unconstitutional, right? It's completely ridiculous. But it was great for her to just move on, find something else. Wasn't the kind of energy I wanted her in, wasn't the kind of energy she wanted to be in. So it all worked out perfectly. But again, really silly battle cry to talk about autonomy when for the last two years, nobody gave a shit at all about autonomy. Uh, The same people out there with posters right now are possibly the same people that, you know, were thinking everybody needed to do it their way. So it's just ironic. But you know, that's humans. That's all of us together. It's almost like a comedy show. If you can just laugh, if you can just laugh about it too, and kind of look down on the earth as this all is happening. And if you were from others, some other planet or you were some other species, you'd just laugh and say, wow, what a shit show. What a funny little show. They're all playing down there. So I know that's not the end of it. And it's certainly, you know, not laughs for a lot of people. And I think there is a degree of seriousness that is required. And that's why I'm sharing today. Instead of wanting resources for this, too, so people now are like scrambling, who does abortions? Where can I find the number? Where can I? Great, do it. If that's really where your heart is, that's what you think women need, go for it. But how about teaching women about their bodies? You know, or do both. Because 98% of women, if not more, out there have no idea. They have no idea how a cycle works. They have no idea about birth control being hazardous or deadly. They have no idea about what ovulating means. They have no idea about any of it. In fact, another daughter anecdote, and this was another one of my daughters. She has like a cycle tracker, you know, on her phone. And she's only 15, Tallulah. So she has plenty of questions and that's great. I want to teach her. So she said to me, um, you know, just kind of like, oh, my period tracker said my period's supposed to be here and it's not. So we had that talk. And I was like, well, you probably just ovulated later. And she was like, oh, well, how do I know about that? And what are the signs of that? And I said, you know, the app is for idiots. And I've had an app, whatever, it's fine. Have an app for your cycle, but it can't think for you. And I told her that I said, it can't know your body better than you do. So it's just projecting. That's all it's doing. It's just giving a guess based on last month, but it actually has no idea what your body is doing. And it was so cool to see the light bulbs go off in her head. And she said something like, wow, I bet a lot of women waste money on pregnancy tests when all they did was ovulate late. (laughs) It's like, ding, 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 ding. Yes, exactly. So uh, why don't we start with that? Why aren't there fertility classes everywhere? I don't know, except we women haven't decided that that's important enough. So uh, I'm probably not going to teach a huge class, but maybe I will. You know, maybe I will sometime soon. But my point is, we can all start at home too. We can all start with teaching our daughters and learning if we don't know and all kinds of things. And let's do that. And again, you know, I know it isn't a perfect crystal world where that's going to solve every problem. But we put effort, we put energy where we want to spend it. That's the point. So you can put effort on this other thing, 
uh, this thing that a woman could need if she or thinks she needs if she's really desperate. And again, I've, I've never seen a woman that enjoyed making that choice. So why wouldn't we put effort towards all the other things? And then why wouldn't we just trust women to know uh, if they don't want to be pregnant or can't or I don't know what other circumstances? Um, what about all the other levels of life and the spiritual knowledge and the guidance and, you know, all of the things that allow our bodies to hold life and death? Because I've held life and I've held death in my womb and I know what that feels like. And I know that it's not just physical, just like birth isn't holding a baby that isn't alive for whatever reason is not just physical. So I could blab for hours about that. I don't think I'm going to today, but maybe in the future, those are podcasts that I'll do because there's so much more to it than just taking a pill. Um, there's so many other ways to communicate to souls. Uh, and women have this power. All women have this power. We don't need men. We don't always need the scalpel to solve our problems. There are so many other ways to go about whatever it is we choose. Again, whatever it is, there's so many ways that are deeper. And I think would really require more of us in a full three-dimensional way rather than, oh, well, physically it's gone, then I'm fine, you know? And it's like, no, those those women are not fine. Um, they usually are really traumatized and there are other things that come about. So even, even if that was a choice, and I guess it remains a choice in some places, um, there's still the healing, right? And there's still the spiritual healing and the connection. And all of those things are things I'd rather focus on. So yeah, we hold life and death even when we don't want to and even when it's hard and babies make choices too. You know, we're not the only ones making a choice. Babies do make the choice to come in and to stay and sometimes they don't. So again, this is so much bigger than a court ruling. This is so much bigger than, hey, give me a medication. This is what I want or um, poor me, I can't do it or I can't find someone. We always have what we need. We always have what we need. So, and the abortion discussion onto the real podcast. Let's see how long that took me. Ooh, 30 minutes. I guess I had more to say about that. Hmm. Okay. Well, the real podcast was supposed to be around NARM and the CPM credential and also a happy birthday to me. (sighs) Tuesday, June 28th is my birthday. I am turning 45, which... It's kind of weird because what do numbers mean? But yet it's sounding older for sure, but I don't feel older and I kind of don't know what to make of it exactly. Except feeling super grateful, of course, for my amazing life and looking at my children in particular and thinking, I never could have dreamed it, you know, 20 years ago. I never could have dreamed that this would be it, that this would be this life. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. So I'm grateful, of course, for 45 years. I hope I get 45 more or maybe longer. Um, You know, I definitely have a few friends who have left this earth way younger than 45. And so I really, truly do feel appreciative. I don't take it for granted. And I think every year that passes, no matter what age you are, if you're in good health and you're here and you're, you know, you can be joyful and you can be grateful, then it's a good life. 
I expect it to be a big year with the Indie Birth Sanctuary in progress for sure. Life keeps twisting in ways I never expect. So that's my plan, but we'll see. I'm mentioning my birthday, not just because it's fun, because it's a birth, but my CPM credential is up for renewal on my birthday. How funny is that? And they do that on purpose. So that's not unique to me. But every three years on your birthday, you have to pay them a bunch of money and do a bunch of stuff. And then you get to keep it another year or three years. Yeah, you get to keep it for another three years. As many of you know, I gave my midwifery license back to the state of Arizona 10 years ago. And at that time, I also had this CPM, so Certified Professional Midwife. That's what it stands for, credential. But I didn't get rid of that one. So they're separate, you know, in a lot of states, people are confused and I won't go into all that. But, you know, a CPM means a license in whatever state. Actually, it's like that here in Kentucky. So a CPM means you can get a license. So boohoo, I won't be able to do that um, once I give it back. But anyway, 10 years ago, I decided not to. It wasn't quite time. And so I've had what, like three, three renewals since then. And every three years that the CPM comes up for renewal, I've thought about it. I've thought about giving it back. I've thought about just canceling it. The truth is, I'm not resonant anymore. And I really was just waiting for what felt like the right time. I can't explain it any other way. I know over the years, people have maybe been a little confused. Sometimes I get questions like, oh, but you're, what, wait, you're, anti-licensing, but you have the CPM and it's like, okay, that's not a license. That's a certification. And it's not to any kind of like government body. So I'm not tied to a government body with this credential, but I am tied to this agency, this North American Registry of Midwives, which as Margot pointed out the other day, is a really Um, ballsy name because it's really not North America. (laughs) It's really the US because they actually don't do Canadians or Mexicans or, you know, anything. So it's really kind of silly. They should have called it the United States Registry of Midwives. But anyway, I digress. Um, The CPM certification comes from them. So just think about it, you know, and I remember looking up this history a little bit ago, and you could look it up too, I'm sure, just when it was created, when was NARM created, it hasn't been that long. And really, they just made it. So I could make my own certification group, really. Um, Maybe we will someday, who knows. But in other words, a group of midwives came together at some point, which is cool and fine. And they decided, hey, we need a standard on midwifery. You know, we need a thing that people can post on themselves that make them part of this club. And then everyone will know that they're a good midwife or, you know, a trained midwife. And so like any certification body, that's how NARM was born. It just was created. It wasn't like granted from God above. It wasn't, you know, put together by doctors or anybody medical. It was midwives that said, we want a group. We want a way to certify people. So that's that, you know, it's not really bad or good in a way. It was a way, I'm sure, with the best intentions I'm imagining, to make midwifery legitimate, to make it so that we had letters behind our names as well. So instead of OB or CNM, right, it's a very close 
um, call to the CNM credential, which of course is a nursing credential, but CPM is pretty damn close. So again, just a way of legitimizing midwifery and midwifery education and giving letters and a paper. The problem, since that was created however many decades ago, is that obviously, and this is a real cool thing for NARM, you know, obviously, it has seeped in. It has seeped into our culture, our small culture of home birth midwives here in the U.S. Hold on, kombucha break. And so, you know, whereas decades ago, um, I guess if I had been aware of it, because I... I was a baby midwife or not even a midwife at that point. I would have said, oh, cool. Like, that makes sense. Uh, You know, people that are trained will get this thing. And that's cool because then people will know that they're trained. And that's fine. Although, side note, can you believe in 13 years of having this certification, no one has ever asked me? Not one client. I don't think another midwife has ever asked. I've never had anyone ask because the truth is people outside of the birth world really don't even know unless they're trained to know. So unless, you know, and that, and that is happening more, I think, like in some communities, people are aware like, oh, that's a CPM. She's a CPM. I don't know why, though. I've never had anyone ask me, which I find interesting. So where was I going with that? Um, okay, so yeah, I guess you could have had that thought a bunch of decades ago, like, oh, this is cool. But now, fast forward to the future, the fact that Meek has gotten involved, so Meek being another annoying acronym, uh, Midwifery Education Accreditation Council, right? So they accredit schools. They all like got in bed together. And now you have to go to a Meek school to get a CPM from NARM. So it's incestuous on purpose. And it, it became a way of not just controlling who could call themselves a midwife, but also how a midwife could be educated. Aha. <laughs> and that's where I care. That's where I care. Having Indie Birth Midwifery School for the last five or six years, I've had moments of feeling hypocritical. Um, how do I support this organization that only supports one way of educating midwives when I am a founder of this really cool radical midwifery school that will always reject accreditation. We will always. We got a question the other day. We get questions every single day. But someone said, do you think you'll ever get accredited? Like they were just waiting for it. And the answer is no. For sure, no. And there's a million other things to say to someone like that um, to help educate them. Because most women think, I have to do it that way. I need it. I need to go to a meek school because I need the CPM from NARM. They think that is how you become a midwife. A plus B equals C. And of course, if you've listened to this podcast, if you know any of our stuff, you know that's not true. There are other ways to do things. There are other schools to go to. But again, they've done a really good job of making it seem like this is the only way to become a midwife in North America. But no, it's not even. (laughs) It's the U.S. So I have decided it is finally time. With this sanctuary of indie births on the horizon, I cannot afford to not be completely in my integrity 500% of the time. And you know, this kind of got away from me only because I don't think of it. Like this isn't something I ever think about except for every three years. And the time is now. The time is tomorrow. 
And I don't want to put my energy in that direction. I don't want to be out of integrity with myself. It really has little to do with them. Um, I could go on and on in my criticism of what I think that all is or means and is harming. But ultimately, who cares, right? It's not that important. I want to live in freedom. I don't want to be beholden to any formal organization that wants to remove choices or limits people's autonomy. But more important than that, it's just not resonant for me. I just don't want to put energy in any direction right now or ever that doesn't completely fill my soul. So there you have it. Again, it's not really about NARM particularly, but just participating in any kind of control, um, any kind of this is the only way, you know, Uh, they definitely like the meek schools in general. And again, there's a million of them. And I hear about them all the day, all, all the time. Women that come to our school, even for an interview, often have gone to another school. And this is their feedback, really. It's not even mine. Just that the, the school's training people to become CPMs through accreditation really don't acknowledge anything but the clinical. There is no attention to inner work. There is no attention to being a midwife, being a sacred calling but really a check-the-box two-dimensional skill set. And they're not really concerned about women's power or autonomy. They're really not. They're really concerned about painting midwives as professionals that can save the day. And that's no different than doctors. So if I was interested in that, maybe I would have been a doctor, but I'm not. I think that's really an important, yes, criticism, but also differentiation between our school for all those reasons. Of course, we think birth is sacred um, and that skills are necessary. You know, I'm not going to blab on and on about that. I've talked about it on many other podcasts, but midwifery as a check the box thing. And I say that a lot when I think of NARM, when I think of Meek, it's just like check the boxes. You know, it doesn't really matter if you've had like that soul to soul conversation with that woman. Um, But it does matter that you gave her the statistics for GBS. So just check the box. Letters only mean something if we give them power. And it's another reason that for me, it's time to let go. It doesn't mean anything to me if I don't give it that. (laughs) And it's, you know, again, not separate entirely from the earlier discussion. Things, people, places, they only have power if we give it to them. So I am rescinding my power, um, taking it back from NARM and putting it into my own pot. That said, I don't of course care what anyone else does. You know, we have students in the school that aren't quite sure, or maybe we'll get the CPM, or maybe won't, or maybe they'll give it back, or I don't know. It doesn't matter. Just do what's right for you. But do it with eyes open, you know, see what see what any of these organizations kind of want in exchange. See what they're doing out in the world. See if it's something you believe in. Maybe it is. And then do what's right for you. So I wrote a really quick letter to NARM. I don't actually know if I'm going to send this one or if I'll work on it a little bit more. But this is essentially the direction I wanted to go. So I thought I'd share it with you here. So again, to be super clear, I'm going to get rid of my CPM certification. I will no longer have that near my name and I will have to go around on the internet maybe removing it. But that is okay. It is time to just fully stand in my own power. So here you go. Dear Narm, I am writing to rescind my CPM certification. I will not be renewing the CPM credential now or ever. 
First, I do want to express my gratitude for the structure and outline you provided 15 years ago on my path to becoming a midwife. It served me well to work towards this goal at that time as a new and naive midwife. This was before I learned more about the politics of midwifery and the narrow view of midwifery that is represented by the CPM credential, and before I knew I wanted to contribute to a new model that goes beyond cookie-cutter midwifery. The medicalized midwifery of the old world that you represent is broken. In seeing the exciting possibilities ahead with the expansion of the word midwife to mean so much more than certified or professional, I am claiming my freedom and autonomy as a midwife fully by only being associated with that which fully resonates with my soul. At this time on earth, it is essential that we use our power and energy and direct it only towards what we want and resonate with. A higher frequency is required as we create the new, and to do that, we must, we must leave behind the old. With gratitude, Marin. And I'm being sincere. I am sincerely grateful. It was a very needed structure in my life at the time. I'm not sorry at all. It happened just perfectly, and it has been a great run with NARM. So on that note, I wish you all well for the week. Uh, you can check out the Indie Birth Sanctuary site if you haven't at IndieBirthSanctuary.org and add yourself to that mailing list to be stay tuned for all of the new fun things that come out of that project. Thanks so much for listening to this big controversial episode. Have a great week. <laughs>